I don't think research should always be just based on ROI in order to be innovative, to be changing processes and looking towards the future. Sometimes you have to throw the costs of those things out the door to truly find innovation or game changers for the industry. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Zinpro, Essential Trace Minerals, Exceptional Performance, Ivonic, We Are Sciencing the Global Food Challenge, AB Vista, New Nutritional Perspectives and Novel Enzyme Applications to Drive Pig Production, NutriQuest, Experts Serving Producers and Delivering Breakthrough Solutions, Genesis, The First Power in Genetics, Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Adiseo, a worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Our company offers specialized technical support for nutritionists, veterinarians, and other animal production professionals. Our portfolio of programs and services include a wide array of high-performing feed solutions, such as essential nutrients, palatability, feed preservation, mycotoxin management, and health by nutrition. To learn more about our company, visit us at www.adiseo.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Ashley Dedecker, who is the Director of Production Research at Smithfield Foods. How are you doing today, Ashley? Good. How are you doing, Dr. Greiner? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, maybe before we get started today, could I have you do a little bit of a background for our audience, just as far as who you are and and how you got to where you're at today? Sure. I'm originally from Cambridge, Illinois. Grew up in the Midwest on our family farm. Uh, Multiple generation. We started with Barrow to Finish, and now we are Grow Finish and farm around 2,000 acres of corn and soybeans. So glad my family farm is still thriving thanks to my brother. But I chose to go a different route and go more into swine research. I went to Southern Illinois University um, and there from there to University of Illinois, where I got my PhD with Dr. Janine Zalot-Johnson and primarily focusing on applied sow welfare. So different types of housing systems, auto sort system, with kind of a component of behavior, stress physiology. But my goal when I left college was I wanted to be able to give back to the swine industry as, as much as they've given to me throughout my education through scholarships and my family farm. And so when I was looking at careers, I knew I wanted to do applied production research. And lo and behold, at the same time, Smithfield was expanding their research department or really creating a new research department. And with that, I applied for that position. And I've been here now for 10 years with Smithfield. And I've had the opportunity to expand our department significantly and grow in areas I never would have dreamed possible. So it's been 
very fun journey to say the least. Perfect. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of great experience over the years. And I'm thrilled to visit with you today. Um, I've had similar roles in our my past life and your current life. And so I'm excited to hear a little bit more about where you're seeing research today and, and some of the challenges that that you see coming down the pipeline. Um, I've had to give a couple of different talks uh, over the last few months over where we think the industry is headed in five to 10 years. And certainly when you're involved in research, you get to be on the cutting edge of where that where that trend is headed. And so from your perspective today, where do you see us going in five to 10 years? Yep, no, I think that's what everyone wants to know, right? Where's that crystal ball? And tell me, what are we gonna be working on? What's gonna be the hot topic soon? And I wish I had it, but um, I can just give you my opinion, right? So, so I would say we're gonna start integrating a lot more with technology. And in the past 10 years, a lot of the research I've done with Smithfield has really been problem solving. You think of the titles research and development, and there's the research side, which is, to me, it's really problem solving. What are basic things in animal production that we need to fix or we need to improve on? It could be which vaccine is better or which dose or which time of administration or stocking density marketing strategy. And then you have development, research and development. Development's a whole other side that in all honesty, in the last 10 years, I haven't had a ton of experience in, but in the last probably three years, I've had more experience because new novel concepts, new technologies are coming to fruition of wanting to see how it can be applied to our industry. And I think that's where I'm kind of raising my hand. I'm like, I'm a pig scientist. I'm not a software engineer. I'm not an IT specialist. When people start talking about Python coding and things like that, it goes over my head. So I try to stay in my wheelhouse, but the really exciting areas, you're right, I get to have that sneak peek of what new technologies or innovations are, are coming down, down the road. And I, they contact me and I get to at least connect them to the right people in our company. And that's one positive thing is I'm surrounded by experts. I don't have to be a veterinarian. I don't have to be a nutritionist. I'm a scientist. And thank goodness I'm, I'm not a data modeling and analytics person either, but I have access to those people and the IT people in engineering that can be the right fit for that innovative area. But I think that is also an area where we need to be more engaged um, because we may have a couple people in those areas, but they have other jobs or their background may not specifically be data analytics, but they're really good at it. So I really see a lot of probably integration, collaboration with external tech companies that have the data science program, that have the IT, the knowledge about data modeling and how we use that information and really turn our data into usable information for the company. So whether it's robotics, it's automation, it's data analytics, those are the fun key hot buttons, right, right now. And so I, I really feel like we have a big opportunity because we always say that we here at Smithfield, we are data rich, but we are also information poor. And it's it's time to really bridge that gap and give us more information with the mountains and mountains of data that we do have. Absolutely. So when you think about that, we talk about this a lot for big data perspective and we're all the technology is coming into the barns, right? All of our controllers that can give us all of this information, but it's we still want to look at it from a real-time perspective. So 
how do we start to bridge that gap between what we're getting into the from the barns today to tell us what to do immediately tomorrow rather than looking back and saying, oh, well, the farm broke with this a month ago. If I would have stopped, known, right? 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 Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If I would have known, what would I have done differently? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a huge opportunity because we were having this conversation recently about we have a weak gap in between knowing what the mortality is in some of our sites because we report our weekly mortality. So if there was a spike last Monday and I'm entering the mortality the following Monday, if I would have known that there was an increase in mortality from a veterinarian perspective and they knew that spike occurred, they're waiting on a phone call, potentially from the manager or the grower, they can act much more quickly or get a red flag. So it allows us to obviously improve our animal care significantly um, improve our treatment strategies, potentially reduce antibiotic usage because we can treat rather treat an individual animal versus mass in the barn. I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to fix that. And I think there's a lot of tools that are coming on the market today to try and address that lag of information to us because they have identified that as a, a big problem. The same with like feed ordering, um, trying to get the time from a grower puts in a feed or feed order and the time that the mill gets it and try to get it delivered, could we have been predicting that and not always playing catch up um, from those feed deliveries and know when they're going to be running out of feed if we know how much feed they've been. So big opportunity on just the basic blocking and tackling for the pig, pig industry, husbandry in that case. And I think that's really what we hear a lot of more with technology is the next step, right? We know we're labor short. Most areas are right now, but agriculture has been historically labor short. Or so. And so how will this technology help bridge that gap? So are you seeing research today or, or coming down the pipeline that can help address the labor? I would say in the last really the last year, two years, I'm doing significantly more research on new technology, whether it's cameras, whether it's robotics, it's automation, it's, and a lot of them aren't necessarily research studies. There's no control and treatment. It's more of a, a, a pilot. Is it kind of like a pilot study or a try it to just go put it out and see if it works or not? Um, there's not much I can research when it really comes to can we implement this technology? It's not about does it work better than our old process space that our old process needs to be improved. Let's take the opportunity and use some of this innovation. And really it's just getting some of these things in our barns and, and trying them and finding people who are engaged and want change and want to try something different to say, Hey, I'll volunteer. I'll take that new camera technology, or I'll try that new app on our phones, like give it to me. So I feel like I'm constantly asking you know, certain production people, hey, do you want to try this or do you want to try this? And and I get it. There's people who are much more open to those technologies than other ones. And so I kind of have my go-to people that I'll kind of pitch ideas to and are, and are for it. So I, I just, I hope the industry becomes more open-minded in trying these things because we can research things for years and just go in circles. But at the end of the day, it comes to adopting these technologies and trying it and getting that out there to see what works or what doesn't work. And 
And I think that's what's interesting too is at least with creation of page that's where it comes in personal lives that some of this technology is going to be a little easier to implement on the farm. People are familiar with how to use an app and how to manage the phone. So I think that's exciting. Um, certainly, it's nice to hear that you're getting a lot more of that type of work into the research facilities because that's obviously what we're hearing from the industry as well. That's, that's key. Yep. As a scientist, though, I am like, there's no experiment here. This right. is, this is, there's no control. There's no treatment. This is more of a, a pilot. We got to go put it in and, and try to measure success or not. Um, so it does take a different type of a strategy versus, you know, controlling variation and trying to detect differences. It's a very different approach on trying to not necessarily implemented technology, but testing a new technology. So I've really had to kind of change my approach on things um, to versus how I would execute like a commercial field study on vaccines versus, hey, try this new cell phone app out. So it, it's challenged me career-wise, which I've, I've enjoyed. Um, but you know, there's there's hurdles, and I'm figuring things out as well of how do we how do we implement these. Well, we talk a lot about research in general, and commercial research has been around for many years. But what are some things that you're seeing as new challenges with production research? Are there any that we should be thinking about? Challenges with production research, commercial research in general, I will say the never-ending challenge of conducting a very objective PERS study. <laughs> and I, if anyone tries to do PERS research, it's, it, everyone has the debate of, do you use the barn as the experimenting unit? Can you use the pigs and all the work that has to go through with it? And we go through the same questions every time when I work with the veterinarians and say, Hey, what's our biggest issue that we need to be tackling? And it's always PERS. But then you come across, okay, how do we answer that question objectively? And it's really hard to do that. And I, just because the dynamics of that disease um, and, you know, MLB vaccine, how do you control for shedding and truly get a confident response? So that seems to be my my constant challenge. And I know for me as a scientist, it's challenging in the experimental design, but I can assure you for the production people and the veterinarians, PERS is a much bigger challenge than just experimental design. I understand that, but that is one of my biggest hurdles when it comes to trying to answer questions for production, because that's my job is I am providing a service to our production folks, trying to provide better answers, objective information, so that they can improve pig care, pig husbandry, um, pig performance in general. And if I can't answer a question objectively, then um, I'm not really doing my job. So that's always been my biggest challenge. Um, besides PERS, just doing really large scale commercial research. Um, I kind of mentioned this before in some other venues of sample size. I'm doing a study to try to detect differences that are of economic importance. So when I say that I'm looking for like 0.1 pig born alive, that typically means I need around 16,000 sows per treatment to detect that type of a difference. So we're conducting these just massive scale studies so that we can make super tiny decisions based on 0.1 pig born alive. And that's 
it's very challenging to do with so many sow farms included on a study or if a vaccine study I'm following an individual pig and I want to detect um, let's just say a 1% difference in mortality I'm talking 2,500 pigs per treatment and that takes a ton of effort. I need multiple sites. I need multiple growers to be engaged in collecting tags. I've got to have field staff out there doing all the weights, doing the mortality inventories. It's it's significant work. But you know that one study could be a million dollar, multi million dollar study, um, depending if the answers get there or gives us a positive result, which as we kind of talked about before doesn't always happen. Um, which gets really tricky when understanding that there is failure associated with research, especially in commercial trials, because people get, I mean, that's, you tell them, hey, there's a huge opportunity on the table. We're going to evaluate this vaccine or this technology, and this could be a complete game changer. And, you know, I kind of mentioned before, we're conducting 60 to 80 studies a year, and, and maybe five of them are home runs. And that's hard to swallow that our, you think about the success rate or what is potential value generated, it could be multi-million dollars from five studies, but there's a lot of failure associated with research. And it, it's disheartening to me because I'm so excited and eager about the opportunity to make changes, but the hardest part of my job is going telling the growers you know, who helped out with the study or even my research staff, like, hey, I know we worked six months on this. Fortunately, we didn't see any differences. I know we were hoping to see about a 2% difference in livability and we didn't see anything. That's one of the hardest things to tell people who are so excited about a technology or an innovation or a product, whatever it was, that unfortunately there is failure in there, but it doesn't stop us from wanting to try it again or repeatability is can help with that. So. I'm not sure I answered your question. I kind of no. went in a circle. <laughs> no, you did. You did. And it actually took me to my next question because this was one that, that I always would get asked a lot and bring up that very valid point is we're going to run a ton of studies and very few are actually going to give us something that we can. So when you're sitting down, because I'm sure you do it on a regular basis and you lay out your list of research project ideas for the year, and you know that those trials are going to cost you money going to cost you labor, it's going to cost the company your time and so forth. And you're trying to then, of course, gauge return on investment. How do you start that process of saying, here's the trials and here's the cost and here's where we think we'll maybe get some ROI? Do you, do you get the opportunity to sit in and think about that or, or is that a different every, conversation? Every day. I mean, we, we have limited research resources. And so making sure that we are dedicating those resources to the highest priority studies and making sure there is a potential return over expense. I mean, we calculate the ROIs based on published data, what's already out there. So if product A says based on Iowa State's data showed two points in average daily gain improvement, I can calculate an ROI out of that. But if I were to spend all of my time just looking at product testing, I would really stifle creativity and I would stifle innovation and proof of concept. And so I really, I don't think research should always be just based on ROI in order to be innovative, to be changing processes and looking towards the future. Sometimes, and I might get in trouble for this. <laughs> Sometimes you have to throw 
the costs of those things out the door to truly find innovation or game changers for the industry. And those are the most challenging ones. And um, that's why I kind of say is if you really want to be innovative in this industry, you have to accept failure. It is going to happen. I don't think people are challenged with accepting failure, but people are in the pork industry and struggle with accepting the cost of that failure. As you kind of mentioned, with every trial, there's a cost associated with it. My time, the labor, the grower's labor for helping out with it, uh, the ear tags and everything else, there's there's cost, but there's also potentially high reward with with that cost coming in. So I, I don't I think it is important to calculate an ROI on you know products coming in or vaccines coming in, but if there's a new technology on the corner. I don't think we can hesitate and sit around here and be doing all the math and try to figure out and really calculate it. Sometimes you just got to take the leap. I think that's a really good point. One of the things that I can remember doing is, is every year in my research budget, setting aside what I call my mad money or you know my opportunity money. And so it was just for those creative components, those opportunities where, hey, you know, the vets are really struggling with survivability in the spot. We're gonna, you know, pick so many trials over to that area, and it's not about a product. It's about understanding the concept. It's understanding some piece, right? That that hopefully will drive us to the next step. And so, I think that's important for our producers to hear from your conversation today. Is that it's great to do research. It's great to investigate at your field level in your barns, but leave some opportunity for that creativity and be willing to invest into it because that's essentially what it is. Yeah. And everyone can get pigeonholed and say, no, no, it's not for me or I don't have time, but I, you're not going to get any reward without any risk. And so sometimes you're going to have to open that door and just say, maybe this is the right thing for me. Maybe not all the time. That's for sure. I don't need you all the time, but at least especially in this age where we're seeing so much more technology come to our industry. And it's, it's about time, you know, we're kind of behind the poultry industry and dairy. And now these things are coming to the swine industry and it's our opportunity to take advantage of it. And they may not be perfect, but there's always room for improvement and they can't improve unless they get feedback. Well, as we kind of wrap up our discussion here, is there any, Key points that you'd like our audience to think about on concerning research and where we're headed. Um, as I kind of mentioned before, where I think research is going is we're always going to have that research, the problem solving. That's the day to day. How can I help with the survival issue or our average daily gain or feed costs? Those are the basic blocking and tackling of research. Then there's the development side, the innovation side. That's the future focused. That is truly looking towards what's the new technology, and, and we got to keep we got to keep our eyes on both of those. We can't just focus on one without the other because they're both equally important in how we spend our time. Um, the other area, like I said, is is really collaborating with some of these people that we would never collaborated with before. Whether those are tech tech companies, data analytics. Um, engineering. Again, I'm not any of those, but I need to find the people who are that can help me say, I have a problem. Here's what I'm thinking. Can you create this? They probably have some type of a solution and it's probably not anything I would have ever dreamt of. And so trying to really engage with those industries 
Um, you know, they're not pig people, but we are. We can teach them how to be pig people and how to apply their their knowledge or their technology to our industry. Yeah, that's a very, very brilliant point there is think outside the box a little bit and bring people in there. Definitely outside of our area of education. They're going to be key experts in helping us get to that. Yep, I will never pretend to be a nutritionist, a veterinarian, a geneticist. I'm I'm a big scientist, and <laughs> I'll I'll try to stay in that role and find the experts when I need them. Perfect. It is time to our famous three. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis Genetic Program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to Genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. The truth is, precision swine production is not the future. It is the present. Every pig is the intelligent pig health platform. It is a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Request a free 20-minute demonstration at www.everypig.co slash swineit. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. Well, to wrap up our time today, Ashley, you know, we like to ask a few questions of our guest speakers. They're the same questions we ask everybody. So the first question I'd like to ask is, do you have a swine resource that you would recommend to our audience? Swine resource? Honestly, Google for the most part, but <laughs> an interesting fact, my father-in-law just the other week over Thanksgiving found a book that was from the 1800s and it is on pig husband or actually livestock husbandry. And I got to the chapter of swine and was reading like the basic things. And it, it is the most interesting book ever because the solution for savaging piglets was to put opium droplets in the sow's ears. Why? Or if that doesn't work, once she regains consciousness and she continues to keep savaging the piglets, is that you are to rub some type of a diesel fuel or gasoline type of a product on the piglets so that she will stop savaging them. And so to think from the 1800s and reading the recommendations on the common problems we still have today and reading their solutions on how to handle it or the reason why they were doing it and thinking how far we've come on, on just pig husbandry was blew my mind. So that's a, a really, I don't know if it's a resource I use, but it's really interesting <laughs> to read in the 1800s what their problems were and what their standard solutions were for them. Yes, absolutely. It'd be an interesting read. I'd have to go check that out. Oh, it's awesome. Um, how about something that's not pig related? Are there any books that you might recommend to our listeners? Most books I read at these times are Little Blue Truck, Dr. Seuss, um, but I do listen to quite a few podcasts besides Swine It. Um, I'm also a true crime fan. So podcasts, I like to listen to Crime Junkie. Um, what is the, the Mike Rowe one? I listen to a lot of podcasts as I'm driving to work. So I don't have really much time to sit down and read a book besides Little Blue Truck and all of those fun ones for my kids. But 
I do, do try to sneak in a lot of podcasts while driving. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I have not listened to micros, so I'll have to check that out. Um, so the last question I like to ask is, if you think about someone in the industry that, that you know, that you've defined as successful, and you can define success however you want to, what's a key trait that you think they possess that's helped them become successful? I have to say, it's, it has nothing to do with the letters behind your name or the knowledge you get in education from whatever school you come from. It's all about, to me, communication. And communication also means listening, it means listening to the people you're working with, communicating, not just about frequency, but engaged, um, truly understanding what the other people are talking about, making sure you're communicating with all the right people. It's the three keys to successful business, communication, communication, communication. I was told that when I started Smithfield and it seems to apply not only in my career, but every day in, in personal life as well. Most, and I've kind of learned, I can't remember who told me, but like 99.9% .9 of any conflict that arises is because of either miscommunication or misinterpretation of some form of communication. And I, I feel that is 100% right. And so I strive every day to try to figure out how I can be better at communicating, whether it's verbally, whether it's through text messages, because that seems to be pretty common anymore, or Teams chat or anything else, and think about how the other person may receive that information or misinterpret it. That's a great point. I know that's something that Smithfield does a lot um, with as far as training people on communication styles and how we like to receive information, how we also communicate back out. And so I agree. I think if the audience hasn't taken the time to learn how to communicate with people who can um, take information in a little differently than you that it's really important to do. Well, wonderful. I do want to thank you again for your time today, Ashley. Um, for yes. our audience, this is Dr. Ashley Decker, who is our um, Director of Production Research for Smithfield. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.